Hi. Um, well, your last podcast was really successful, so I want to continue uh, talking to you about uh, um, your work with um, uh, AI and sentence structuring. So can you explain how, more how you build sentence structuring using the gesture technology? Um, yeah, so, so, so for starting, right, I think, uh, first of all, I would like to, you know, thanks for the, uh, for having me a second time on the show. I think this is a great show and I could reach out to a lot of people. And I think that is the, the main, um, motive behind having podcasts is to encourage more and more people to work and learn uh, new technologies. And coming back to your question, uh, about sense, uh, sentence structure, uh, that is actually a very interesting uh, question because uh, when you are uh, constructing a sentence, right, um, you have to take the entire context into picture. So let's say if I say um, that I'm a good person and I'm not a good person. So there's only difference in one word as in one extra word not, which is in the sentence and which changes the, the complete meaning of the entire sentence. So it's important for us to have some sort of a, yeah, you know, passing on of these of the of the context to the entire sentence, right? So 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 that could be done uh, using um, an, a network as RNN or recurrent neural networks, in which the context of the entire sentence is preserved. Right? There are a couple of ways to do that, um, having uh, you know LSTMs or GRUs. Uh, but the entire, but the basic knowledge or the basic concept behind these, uh, these RNNs is to make sure that you have the context in the picture as well. Uh, so let's say having the entire gesture, uh, maybe you know, have, uh, coding the entire uh, gesture in into a sentence. I have to make sure that the context is in place. So I think that is a bit challenging when it comes in uh, to. Uh, working with sentences but i think it's doable a lot of companies are already doing it um so if you if you look at google's text to speech which means that uh, you just speak and google is able to translate that into text and then similarly it's able to translate that into other uh, into different languages right from english to hindi or maybe japanese or other languages this all can be done using these rnns yeah yeah so um there was a research that was done out of uh, Utah, and uh, what they were, what he discovered um, was uh, the Indian pictographs. Um, Indian art was really a language, and um, when he uh, realized that, because the pictographs were describing Custer's battle, there was an Indian battle where uh, there was a group of Indians that were massacred. So. The, it was describing that battle and he was able to decode from the Indian pictographs um, the communication. And what he found was that it was very compressed language that there was about 35 to one. So in other words, the symbols that were describing uh, that they were translated out into a, into English uh, were about 35 words to every one symbol. And so it was a very condensed uh, communication and, then he went on later to discover that um, 
the the key to unlocking those symbols were in Indian sign language. So they found some uh, Utes that were doing different sign languages that were a part of the culture that was kept with a lot of the high chiefs. And as a result, he was able to figure out what those sign language gestures meant. And then he was able to translate that to the, the pictographs uh, or the hieroglyphs. And then uh, so that he, he transformed the idea that Indian art was just uh, Indian art, but he's now building this theory that it's a communication device. Uh, like, for example, there was one symbol that said, don't go here because this is an area where there's uh, flash floods. And so they had a little symbol that for flash flood. And he was able to decode that uh, from hand gestures. So going back to what you were saying with recurring neural nets, can you explain, give some examples of uh, some gesture uh, like um, communications, like what one gesture might say and then how you would connect it into the sentence? Um, Yeah, definitely. But I think, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, um, it's important for uh, for any language to ex- to be able to express itself as well as to do that in the least uh, number of words or characters because it actually saves time and uh, you know different languages have different uh, characteristics of their own uh, so in terms of let's say uh, for example we'll take english language because i think it's universally accepted uh, uh, so yeah so let's say if i have a gesture for uh, uh, you know, if I want to signal somebody to come to, uh, to uh, you know, come to me or just maybe, uh, you know, come uh, to my house or my place, right? And then I have a symbol for not, which is the negative of it. So let's say if I have to invite somebody to my to my house, I'll just, uh, you know, say that uh, you can come to my place at this time, uh, which, which will have its own uh, uh, set of gestures, right? But let's say if something comes up and if, at home and I'm not free at that time um, I have to uh, tell them that you know uh, first I have to say the negative term that is don't uh, and then I have to convey the entire message that you know don't come to my place at this time uh, because I might be busy right uh, but let's say what if the person misses the first the negative word as in he does not get or he does not look at the signature that I'm making for not which means that I won't be free uh, so it's important at that because the difference between these two gestures is only one gesture which signals, which signals the person to not come at home. Uh, so basically, we want uh, the, the our model, right? Similarly, we want our model to learn from the entire, uh, uh, you know, all the gestures and not just one specific gesture. We may give weightage to specific gesture, like right? Let's say we have we. By weightage, I mean we give some preference. So let's say if 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 in the entire gesture I have a symbol which symbolizes not or don't. Uh, so of course I'll come to a conclusion that this is a negative term, uh, right? But let's say if I if I have two uh, negative symbols, that is let's say he is not not my friend, which means ultimately he is my friend because these two negative terms are, are going to cancel each other. Uh, so and in the entire sentence, we give weightages to these two particular words uh, because the, this word can change the entire context of the whole sentence. So similarly, in gestures, we have to make we have to capture each and every gesture that we are making, but at the same time, we have to give preference to specific gestures, 
which convey the entire context of of the of the you know of the set of gestures so yeah that is so for that we have to uh, come up with a model which is able to uh, have these weightages in advantage plus it's able to convey this weightage to the entire sentence so for this uh, are maybe lstms which is long short term memory in which uh the context from the previous uh gestures are taken into account or maybe we can go with a gru which is a gated regression unit uh which also does something similar uh but yeah but the point is we have to we can give advantages or we can give certain weightage or preference to certain words because that conveys the most of the meaning in the entire sentence so that's how that's how it's done so when you're talking like for example if you say uh you know i'm hungry and then the next sentence uh you say um give me a list of restaurants and i don't want uh hamburgers i'm not hungry for italian food does it um would it then be able to know that you don't want hamburgers you don't want italian food so then it says uh gives you a recommendation possibly of uh tacos so in other words there's an inference yeah. not not okay that means exclude i've got set theory now so i'm doing the exclusion so i take the intersection exclude that out and that leaves me a remainder uh options to give a response yes of course i uh, so let's say in in that sense in that case uh, i'll give more weightage to send uh, to words in the entire sentence uh, i'll give more weightage to words like not or uh, you know um uh, basically i'll give an advantage i mean give preference to positive and negative words in the sentence so let's say if i if i say that i don't i have, or, or let's say if i say i am not looking for hamburgers the sentence should be able to pick the keyword not and then hamburgers which means that i can exclude hamburgers from the entire uh, menu right at the same time let's say if i say that i am ha- hungry for italian food so i must be able to get these two keywords that is hungry which is an um, which explains to me that the person wants to eat something and then italian food and once i get these two keywords i know that the person is hungry he is looking for italian food but at the same time he is not looking for hamburgers so i'm going to exclude hamburgers from the entire menu and i'm going to give preferences or give recommendations uh yeah and i think that based on his preferences i think that that's an interesting strategy um there was a, some research that were was done on neural linguistics and uh the association of different words so for example you have nouns and that he what he found was that there uh the brain when it associates an image uh it also associates a word for example if i see, if i see a hamburger a picture of a hamburger then i will have the same neural response as if i read in a advertisement the word hamburger or may i say with an adjective noun a juicy hamburger or a flame broiled hamburger um so you can c- combine nouns with adjectives and then he also found that uh by identifying verbs uh that he could connote 
relationships between the nouns, like what type of action was occurring on that noun. For example, I'm, uh, I want to eat now a hamburger or I want to buy this hamburger. In other words, there was the, na- the noun would be hamburger. The verb would be buy. So at that point, uh, maybe the computer uh, provides a, a data tr- a transaction and purchases the hamburger, you know, through a kiosk for the person who can't uh, um, speak. Uh, yes, of course. I, I feel uh, uh, this is a great point because um, if some, let's say, if, uh, that's what I think um, recommendations are, are based on. So let's say if I want to eat uh, a hamburger, right? Uh, so maybe if my my uh, laptop or mobile can listen to to it, decode it, and it's going to it's going to give me suggestions that you know uh, you, we can book you a table if you want to eat, or let's say if I want to order something in, in uh, then the the computer will suggest that you know you can call the restaurant up and have your um, uh, you know have your food uh, delivered to you by uh, a person. And yeah, I think these, uh, I mean, these uh, recommendations like these or choices like these are going to help uh, the individual as well as as the uh, restaurants to, or restaurants or other companies that are actually using this this data to help somebody and aid the entire technology. But in, in in this case, we have to make sure that the technology is foolproof and we have to test it on a lot of uh, people and come up with a strategy that um, uh, and and there can can be several use cases related to this. So let's say on Saturdays or Sundays, people prefer to go out and eat. So accordingly, the re- restaurants can pro- uh, increase their service. They can, they can uh, call more staff on on the weekends because just because from an analysis of data, they know that more people would want to eat in on on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, I, I mean, eat at the restaurant and uh, maybe and then perhaps on the weekdays. Maybe on Thursday, people like to uh, uh, order something and somebody has to deliver it to their home. So they can add more uh, staff who can deliver food to the, uh, to the, pla- uh, to the place. So the, these kind of use cases are, I think, important because it, increase in, it helps in providing a much more valuable uh, user experience. And yeah, I think going forward, I think this is how it's going to be. Have you thought about... Uh... Uh, you know, switching to other types of gestures that uh, people do. We talked last time about gestures when it came to driving, people making hand gestures, uh, when to proceed forward, when to turn, uh, when it's safe. You know, for example, if a, a motorcyclist is slowing down, he's going to uh, make a, uh, he's going to use his left hand and he's going to do a, a diagonal 45 downward uh, gesture. If he's going to turn right, he's going to make a uh, 45 or 90 degree uh, upward uh, angle holding his arm to the square. Um, What about gestures like in sports? For example, you know, when you're at a soccer game or even at a hockey game or a basketball game and the refs are making different gestures uh, indicating different types of calls if you're not uh, you know a very close avid sports fan you may not know what those gestures mean and uh, if you had the computer watching the game it could be translating what those gestures mean 
uh yeah definitely i think that's that's also a good use case in uh uh because that in sports there are different uh, kind of fouls different uh, rules and regulations and a normal person who does not watch uh, sports often or who does not have a lot of interest uh can miss out on all these very minor uh, details but yeah having a computer system is definitely uh, you know enticing because it's it can um, not only get the gestures right but at the same time it's it's going to also calculate the entire uh, you know how the match is going on so let's say if if, if let's say in, in soccer if uh, if some team is one down right and they have to score another goal so they'll of, of course be more aggressive uh, and in being aggressive they can uh, you know go for some fouls so the computer not can not only get these gestures but at the same time it's going to help the uh, help in analysis that you know the other team team is playing more aggressively uh why don't we increase our, our defense uh, in that case even if they have a lot of attackers we can have more people defending the goal and we can still uh, win with the minor lead so yeah i think these use cases are important and maybe you know going forward in the next match uh, teams can look at the feed from the previous match and the computer could be used to uh, get these gestures as well as other anal- anal- analysis on the on the previous game and that is going to help eventually in both the teams because i think it's it's being done it's being done in a lot of sports uh where it's important not only to analyze just the gestures but the entire context of the game yeah uh, but yeah that's what you were saying earlier about sentence structure it's not, it's not just important that it uh, gather just the gestures but it's getting the whole context can you speak on the reoccurring neural net? How does that get the whole context? Can you explain, give a uh, kind of an o- overview of what the reoccurring neural net is and then how it is able to preserve context? Uh, yeah, definitely. So uh, what happens in, uh, so we have specific networks for specific problems, uh, right? So let's say if I want to work on image data, it's in, it's very useful for me to have a CNN network, which is only useful for, uh, you know, getting different shapes, different uh, colors from the entire image. Uh, and this has been very well proven. Uh, so similarly, if you want to work with a sequential data, let's say se- by sequential data, I mean uh, the sequence of the, of the data set is important, right? So let's say, if i say i am a good person right the sequence of the all the words in the sentence are important because ultimately it conveys some meaning right so what rnn does is that rnn is a kind of a neural network but uh, the uh, the entire sentence structure by entire sentence structure i mean that if if we are using cnns one image is going to be separate from from another image Right. So if I if I have calculated if I have done some, some kind of calculation from one image, when I move on to the next image, there won't be any information passing from first to the second image. Right. We only have weights, and the weights are adjusted according to one image, and we are trying to fit the similar weights on the second image. However, in RNNs, what happens is, let's say if you have two images, and if you have an RNN, so you will have the weights. We can see the we can look at the first image. Mm. Okay. Uh, we'll adjust the weights in the system, but at the same time, some of the image from the some of the information from the from first image is also transferred to the second image. 
so you have the weights as well the weights are adjusted at the same time some information is passed is being passed on from first image to second image right and that is a, a very important factors when it comes to working with sequential data uh, and once this happens it becomes very easy uh, for for somebody who's working with less uh, text language sentences sequences uh, to build a good predictive model because i am getting context for each and every data point that i have in the data set right so i can see now what you're saying uh, the good classic example would be uh, kind of like a decision tree for example if you say i am a good person uh, so it would then take uh, the noun i meaning that D- david am uh, referring to a self-reference so i pass david yep. to am and then it would say good person so there might be a decision tree that occurs if he's a good person then you say uh welcome uh, welcome if you say uh, i am a bad person you might say please go away so um yeah yeah so the the pipeline is feeding into one uh, data set into another and so it preserves the context so the whole sentence structure yes, yes. has to be maintained to to get the final uh, conclusions have you um, uh, thought about how google is using the open ai to do things like uh, legal um, parsing where it's looking at the context of sentences and then trying to decide if there's non-disclosure context, if there's missing phrases, uh, if if there needs to be, if there are certain phrases that are going to uh, be used, maybe even uh, to scan court documents or case documents looking for precedents, so to establish a, a legal precedence. I know there was a company in London that did this for parking tickets, so it, it it uh, looked at all the legal statutory statutes and it went through and looked at sentences and then it found sentences that um, it could use. And then it presented those sentences in the form of a case brief and help people uh, not have to pay parking tickets. It, it reduced quite a few. Um, it's a significant percentage. But have you thought about how this type of, reoccurring neural nets could be applied to uh, like contracts? Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, so yeah, but to answer your question, uh, I'll go back to uh, to how RNNs work. And it's, so RNNs are not only uh, used for sentences, right? You can even use them in, in videos. So let's say if I have a video of a person playing, uh, let's say soccer, and I have a video of a person playing uh, uh you know baseball uh, so in in both these cases uh, just looking at one image may not be able to you know uh, give the entire entire uh, the activity so it's important to have a, a sequential model which analyzes each each of the frame i mean each of the image in the video frame by frame and then uh, use the context to pass on meaning Right, so it it becomes easier if you want to classify or if you want to work on certain videos, right? So yeah, so hence RNN are very useful in in these cases. And coming back to your point on 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 contracts, uh, yeah, I think I think it's important and it's also very uh, it has a good use case. So let's say if I have a contract in 
uh, let's say in spanish right maybe the contract was drawn in that way my client uh, is is from spain and all the all the official work is done in spanish language uh, right and thousands of contracts so it will be difficult for somebody for me to hire in india who knows spanish and is also familiar with the uh, you know all the all the legal uh, legalities of how a contract works right so it will be difficult for to hire uh, to find or hire a person or train a person who knows spanish and also has legal expertise uh, so instead of doing that uh, what i'll do is maybe i'll come just come up with a system uh, of uh, you know using machine learning and i'm going to feed my machine uh, all the spanish uh, let's say texture all the text and map map the language of spanish to english uh, so that i can easily get a translator which mm. can translate spanish to english but at the same time i can also give him some knowledge about about uh, about uh, you know the uh, uh, legal uh, maybe you know speed them some legal textbooks and get information out of them uh, but yeah so in this case even if i don't have somebody who's trained uh, in spanish language nor is uh, very good in in handling all the legal documents i can use a machine to simply train my network to read the spanish language convert it to english get the get you know whatever uh, the legal test cases that are um, that are part i mean that are in the contract what what do they mean and what are what will be their implications so yeah i mean people have done that a lot of companies are doing something like that and i feel that there's a lot of scope going forward uh, with these technologies Yeah that's what i was going to say that's a good case a use case study of rnns because uh, the re- reoccurring neural net could when it sees a, a spanish phrase or an indian phrase it could translate the word just like we were talking about gestures translating uh it could uh translate or map one language into another language so then universally if 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 for example the software is looking for certain uh exclusion phrases like if it sees the word uh you will not uh uh use this information or or if it's uh, you know like for example we said the not uh it could look for phrases that are exclusive and uh then identify those as important <clears throat> so that it could be like in an, a non-disclosure uh clause and it also could be looking for things like penalties or terms or dates uh because the contracts are constantly changing and the lawyers are having to adjust the contract based on uh, for example if a certain piece of work is not completed by a certain time there is a penalty uh or if they if there isn't a certain level of satisfaction there may be a penalty and all these types of things that are written in the contracts that are constantly changing it would take a person a long time to have to read the contracts over and over and then make adjustments to the contracts where if the machine was doing the translating to english then it was searching the context for things that it could uh be say positively that this is an exclusionary phrase or this is a penalty phrase or this is a uh this is a precedence phase where it has to have a set of cases that uh proceed to establish um a, a precedence um those are things where i i could see where rnns could be very valuable for saving time 
yeah definitely i think uh, with rnns uh, we there are couple different use cases uh, but definitely because there's a lot of text data that is uh, that is you know in 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 the world and not a lot of people know how to use it but let's say if we have these technologies it's going to help a knowledge out of them and maybe help them in and other other structures because let's say 10 years uh, ago we could not think of something which could translate uh, from uh, from a different language uh, accurately so it's it was important for companies to hire people who were specific uh, you know who who were only translators and they could and they also needed to have the knowledge of the of the product and the, the you know the field in which they were working so it was difficult to get somebody who was like that and also train them keep training them uh and that is an additional cost to the company but yeah with rnns we can uh, just simply f- uh, use a model which knows a lot of things on its own we can train it for a while improve the accuracy and uh, just use it on the go it becomes easier for both you know the company and the person who who is being trained uh, becomes easier for the entire process becomes easier and much cheaper have you thought about um translating or doing a little experiment on old english translation to uh modern english for example if you had the old english shakespeare and yeah. you translate it to a modern english to explain what the old english is saying because sometimes there's phrases that are referring to things that are historical geographical um it might be even related to certain types of um uh, phrases that we don't speak but um were meaningful in the old english and it, you know so as a person could use the, the the rnn to actually understand uh almost like a dictionary translation is it'd be better than a thoris because uh thoris would just give you equivalent words this would actually kind of explain to you in in simple english what was being said Yeah definitely I think there are a lot of good use cases uh for for English old English to new English uh but yeah I mean I I did work on something similar it was converting uh Shakespeare uh not converting but it was more of a you know story forming so let's say I trained my network on Hamlet and uh, so basically my model knew a lot of uh, words that were in Hamlet okay and it also had the context of the sentences in hamlet uh, so what it was i gave the opening uh, lines to some sentence maybe starting with uh, a countryman and then i would ask the model to complete the entire uh, you know the, the entire scene so the model knew that i have given him three or four words and he has to generate let's say 100 more words which should be meaningful and at the same time uh, it should be in in old english that is in how the shakespeare how shakespeare used to write uh, so yeah so this is more of just for fun and there was not a lot of uh, uh, you know use case specific use case but definitely let's say if i am able to map the english language into uh, the old english language right there it will be easier for for me to write something in english and i can have the translation in the shakespearean language 
and i think it's it's very interesting um uh, you know because similarly we can use similar approaches to convert or translate uh from different languages to different languages so yeah i think this is important because earlier we used to depend on our teachers and the textbooks to give us detailed uh, answers but yeah we can use techniques uh you can use these rnn techniques to get us a model uh to um, have some sort of translation between old english to new english here. well our time's almost up but uh i think you've raised some really important uh questions about the machine in terms of helping us understand context because that's where i'm starting to see a lot of monetary value for machine learning is that it can understand the context like you were saying with the video uh in sports analysis you know it could be a machine learning uh broadcaster who's telling us uh what just happened for example if there was a foul what caused the foul there's got the whole context it could say well player drove down the lane uh he hit the uh player b with his forearm you can see at this video frame yeah. uh hitting him with the forearm ref saw that action uh according to rule whatever in the basketball player handbook uh says if you do a forearm with excessive contact based on the velocity blah whatever uh it determined that there was uh there was contact and a foul was called um you could also apply this to driving too uh in terms of a context when you come to an intersection for uh, four cars come to intersection uh, uh you know the, the the car to the right uh, right first so the car to the right can has the right to proceed into the intersection before the other cars uh so there's a context then it's not just seeing four cars and then trying to figure out who's going to go uh based on who's moving out into the lane but maybe it's also using uh context to figure out what the rules are yeah definitely and i think one more use case that you mentioned was to have uh, automatic so instead of having commentating right you can just train on on let's say if you are a soccer fan you must have played fifa uh so we have commentaries related to a specific action right so we can train under to work to learn these mappings and whenever let's say if a person is about to score a goal the commentary uh, will account that into um, into his uh, you know to the actions and then the the uh, commentary will be done accordingly so i think that is also a good use case to have okay well thanks ashke and uh, appreciate your time and thank you for being on the show yeah no problem david it's always a pleasure okay bye bye yeah bye